The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. If you own a business, you know how difficult it can be to get new clients. But what if you had your own sales team? BNI Somerset invites you to join us on Thursday, September 23rd to learn about how BNI Somerset provides a positive, supportive, and structured environment for the development and exchange of quality business referrals. Struggling to find more paying clients or want to take your business to the next level? Our group of business owners have passed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business to one another. Want to know how we did it? On Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m., we're hosting an event on Zoom where we show you exactly how BNI Somerset generated client after client for one another and how you could begin to apply the same simple steps to your business too. The reality is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. BNI Somerset is incredible for building your personal brand and ensuring you are known. Join Somerset BNI's Visitor Day on Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m. via Zoom. All are welcome. For more info, visit BNIWNE.com backslash CT-Northern-Somerset-BNI. Businesses thrive by changing when the world changes, and the world is changing. BNI Somerset can make sure you don't get left behind. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen saturday morning fight day baby it is a big, big fight day. We got a lot to talk about. Big heavyweight matchup with Joshua Anusik. Then UFC 266. Big Jace, Joe Aguirre, Jared Jones. We're going to break it all down. But let's start off recapping last week's fights. And let's start off in Bellator 266. Phil Davis got it done, but it was a split decision. A lot closer. Uh, I don't oh. know if you guys thought, thought it was going to be that close. But it was, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I had you all remember. I, I, I'm not mad. I got it wrong, but I, I want to know. Is this sarcasm? Tell me you're being sarcastic right no, now. Sarcasm no. right off the top. Dude, I picked Jace, apparently that judge and Jace watched the same fight and everybody <laughs> else watched something else. <laughs> 
How does one judge have it 30-26 and the other guy's got it 28-29? Jay, tell me how it was a close fight. This was dominant. I mean, Phil Davis was dominant. I had it 30-27 like my man did. I don't know where you want to explain 29-28 yeah. to us. I'd love I to I didn't hear mind it. the 26. I didn't mind the 30, I didn't 26, either. but I had 30, I didn't 27 as well. I wasn't going to be that mean because I know Jace likes Joel Romero. No, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the more meaningful strikes, like I feel like Joel Romero strikes meant something a lot more. Phil Davis was able to mix in the wrestling. I, I mean, I, regardless, I wasn't impressed by either one. I mean, this felt like a normal Bellator fight. Wasn't anything special. But uh, I mean, you you guys were were talking a lot. Uh, uh, highly regarded Phil Davis. I want to know after this fight, Joe, how would Phil Davis fit into the UFC's light heavyweight division? I don't know that there's a spot for him currently. Uh, <laughs> and it's you know, listen, it's got as much to do with I I think that division's kind of stacked right now. Um, yeah, listen, uh, when you're headlining a Bellator event against a washed-up UFC fighter, when you yourself were a, were a UFC guy who just didn't hack it, uh, and, and and again, you know, through through whatever the reason exactly that Phil Davis, because he fought well in the UFC, he just didn't, he just didn't impress anybody. And here was a, a Friday night, all the attention in the world, uh, that's it. Uh, you gotta, you know, Phil. Gotta, you gotta take your opportunities when you get them. And I think this is, I, I think this fight, um, is a a perfect capsule of Phil Davis's career. That that you go out and you and you beat down Yoel Romero. One guy didn't even see it, and 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 otherwise. <laughs> And otherwise, nobody else cared for the most part. And and as you as you, as you said, Chase, he didn't he didn't put him away. And you're a put him away kind of guy, which is why I know you like Yoel Romero because he usually puts people away. And that's a really definitive end to a fight, right? If I I mean if I knock you out cold in the third round, Jace, it, and I was beating you up to that point, it was a definitive dominating beatdown, and then I put you out. What would be better than that in a fight? Not much. So yeah, I, I I mean Phil Davis didn't Phil Davis didn't change my mind about his UFC career. Phil Davis is just good. He's just good. You know, he's not great. He's not upper echelon. Where in the UFC? Somewhere right around the top 10, 8 to 12, maybe. But doesn't have that extra to get over the top. He doesn't. And here's my impression of the third judge at the end of the fight. 29-28. Right? Is that right? No? Oh, you had 30-26. <laughs> hey, hey, at least he wasn't yeah. apologizing. <laughs> he should know that one I need an apology for. The other one I didn't want an apology for. This one I need an apology okay. for. You should never judge another fight. A guy got dominated. Right, yeah. I couldn't see a spot where I'm looking at 15 seconds worth of work and thinking Romero won that 15 seconds, let alone the, the whole fight. Give me a break. No, this one was bad. I was this wondering. This one was off all every week for the last three weeks. We, we've covered a trash judge. This is the worst of those three. Clearly, I, I was expecting 
30-27 across the board. Yes. That was what I thought. So 30-26, I was like, well, yeah, okay, I could see that. 28-29. Again, what fight were you watching? Jerry, just to take your joke a bit further, uh, I woke up and was like, saw everybody else. Uh, which one of these guys is uh, Davis? <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe the third judge was Steve Harvey. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hold on, uh, I do think I I I understand where that judge come from because, like I've mentioned before on the show, this is no, no, listen to me. You were scoring me. your own listen way in me. your head. I no, get it. listen to me. Like I mentioned on the show, we are adapting boxing judging to MMA. And you get boxing judges, and they see a wrestler like Phil Davis. They're like, oh, that that's cool. What is that that he's doing? doesn't look like he's necessarily hurting him that much when he takes him to the ground. So is that even a thing? So I get where it's coming from. It should have got had in that way. No. I do think, though, Phil Davis is very, very outdated. Like in the, the days of Josh Koscheck, the days of those wrestlers that would just get you to the ground, Kind of lay on you, control the fight. I think he would have thrived, but he he's just a little too late. And the game's yeah. adapted, and I mean, and he hasn't really gone with it. Uh, I mean, you see glimpses where he can, and he might be able to take that next step, and then it's back to just being a wrestler. I know Marvin, Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori fights exactly like that. He'd get you down and lays on you. And that's how Jan Blahovitz beat Israel Adesanya. That was the style and method used in that fight. Yeah. I don't know if it's obsolete. It's not. It's definitely Jace. I'll give you this. You don't see a lot of guys doing it anymore. And I'll be quite honest. I think Phil Davis is a big part of the reason why. It just yeah. doesn't. Dana doesn't care for it. Well, neither if, do, do we. I do. Would you rather I do. see this guy fight I than do a Justin Gagey, Nate Diaz? Come on, don't do it. <laughs> now you guys are both being sarcastic. No, I, 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 I listen. I hold on. Let me explain. You're what clamoring I'm to watch the next Phil Davis fight. I get it. I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Me Listen, too, probably, but I don't. Of course you will. The, the, the reason why I don't mind a fight like this, and again, you know, you go the distance, right? There's There was no doubt in my mind, like I said, that Phil Davis outfought Yoel Romero. I had plenty of time. Yoel didn't knock him out in the first 10 seconds. It's like, oh, I don't know how good Phil Davis is. He got knocked <laughs> out in 10 seconds. So an entire fight. And here's what I saw from Yoel Romero. There's a reason he's not in the UFC anymore. There's a reason he'll never be back in the UFC. It's over for him. You know, this was Phil Davis's chance to get Dana's attention and maybe get back to the UFC. And this didn't this wasn't going to this wasn't going to do it in in any way shape or form. Very yeah. underwhelming. But uh no, I, I what Joe was saying, like I'm I was okay with Phil Davis before. Like I, I I'm a wrestler, I wrestled in high school. I, I liked wrestling, I, I like the intricacies, I like setting up the setups for the shots, I, I like watching all that stuff. But when you have a guy like Khabib who just does that another level 
and just dismantles people. That ruins the whole sport of wrestling for me, for everything else when it comes to MMA. Because you got this dude being dominant and showing his dominance to everyone. And you got guys like Phil Davis who wrestle really well. And, yeah, it, it wasn't 30-27, but people don't know what necessarily what they're watching if they're a boxing judge or something. Like, I, why we got this score, 28-29. So, yeah. So, all right. Speaking of wrestling. Dude, I can't imagine any, even an American Idol judge should have known the difference between... <laughs> 3027, and yeah, I think that guy won. I totally. I liked him better. He's got more zazz. <laughs> that Bolfa guy was dreadful. Absolutely yeah. dreadful. <laughs> but, but I mean, dog, you would have been like, dog. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's just continuous. We always have these bad judges. I don't know what it is. Like I. Like I said before, I mean, like I've said in the past, there was, uh, it was Tyron Woodley versus Wonder Boy 1. Tyron Woodley had, I don't remember what round it was, most of the round, he got Wonder Boy down, had him in a guillotine. After the fight, he talked to one of the judges, and the judge was like, why are you wasting your time on the ground in, in that position? He, he obviously he doesn't know that he's about to choke him out, he, he can't see that. I don't know why, but yeah, judges judging in MMA is ridiculous. Especially, like I said, you're adapting boxing to something that's more than just boxing. I hate to say this, but they need to adapt more of the figure skating judging to this. I'm not mad at that. I'm not. I know, Jared. That seems like like a joke, but listen, like there's points for. Your program, there's points if you hit the triple axle. Degree of difficulty. Yeah. And, and, and so that there's, that there's an actual, like, some at least, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, overall way to, to score. So you at least have an idea where, again, it's not like, uh, just write down 10-9 next to whoever you think A little more around. realistically. Right. A little more yeah. realistically. Have you seen the PFL scoring system I've been talking about? Yeah. Where they do the impact percentage scoring? That I I've only seen that get a different person than me one time, and it was such a close fight. I wasn't going to be mad about it. This is the type of thing because at the end of this fight with Phil Davis, you wanted to be Phil Davis. You didn't. That, that was the guy you would have rather been, and that's kind of uh, there's a there's a line in judging that that that's kind of how you're supposed to judge. Which guy got beat more? You know. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that guy. Rather than Phil Davis, he took less damage. So when you're when you've got a computer kind of compulating who who took the damage, right? Because because now Romero's getting points for those heavy shots. Those nineties are two forty fives. You understand what I'm saying? This is the closest thing to a fair and just scoring system that I've ever seen instituted, and I'd like to see it take a little bit in the UFC and even in boxing. If we can get the mile per hour on the punch and then know that it that it hit its target, then instead of just landed punches, we get like an impact percentage score. And then you tally it all up at the end of the round and tell me you won the round. And if you do that for this Davis-Romero fight, 
It's it's thirty to sixty-eight. Oh, hold on. Before we move on, though, Jared, you mentioned yeah, you wanted to be Phil Davis after the fight because of like the damage, right? Let's go back to next last week. Did you want to be Valdez after that fight? Because I, I, I don't think so. Oh, with Rigondeo? No, with uh, Concieco. That dude was messed up. That was one of those fights. Like he won, but if okay. you're just looking Fair at point. the two guys, I mean, Dan Henderson. Well, not by his team. face, but by the damage. You got to the end of the round and like, ooh, that guy got hit in the face more. You know, not the look at the end of the fight, but who took more damage? Which which one of those batches of strikes would I rather take? Which, you know, the Phil Davis mauling and tackling and all of that stuff. And I think you're really right that people that have been in those positions don't really have understandings of what that damage is. You've got people trying to score takedowns in like this vague relative sense. And... They've never been taken down. So how could they possibly know like how much that takes out of you or what kind of damage is done by the by the power of the slam? You kind of take down and you got a bunch of strikes and oh well he ended the round on top. Yeah. So hey. yeah, we need to do something. Yeah. But and uh, I obviously one good idea. <laughs> yeah. And figure skating. We'll put that as a that'll that can go second. I mean, not for nothing, Chase. I was just uh, looking I, I, for this. What is, hey. it, what is it that you what is it that you saw <laughs> that I, I I mean I'm just curious. I just kind of was like a little 28, 29, 28 Romero. <laughs> Dude. Listen, I, I get it. But also what? those takedowns, not not a lot of them really. There was oh, five of them in three rounds. I get it. <laughs> How about like, the 20 knees Davis threw to no, zero? I got it. I got it. Yoel won. I, I love Yoel, so I'm trying to give him some respect. You know? No, I know you are. Okay. Now let's talk about a fight. Let's just move on. UFC <laughs> fight night. Smith versus Span. Smith got it done convincingly, rear naked choke. And I, I mean, we all picked Span. We all thought he was an up and comer. No, yeah, Jared, you changed it last. I'll give you, give you the floor. What did you see? Um, just started watching highlights, and there was something like underwhelming about Span. I felt like that when these guys met, if you go to decision, maybe it's Span, but these guys haven't seen a lot of guys like each other. So, so you may end up with a stoppage. And uh, I sent you pictures of my bets. I took Anthony Smith and the under. And uh, hit them both. So, I don't know. As I was looking ahead of time, I'm looking at the numbers and one's on the way down and one's on the way up. I'm looking at the trajectory, you know. But when I really got into watching them fight, Anthony Smith is uh, more versatile and uh, more diverse than, than Ryan Spann. And I thought maybe he'd stop him. So, yeah, after all picking Spann, when it, when it came crunch time, I took Smith and the under. Which you're welcome. Yeah. All right. But I, I will. I, I think Span, this is a good loss for Span. Because now you understand the level. Because Anthony Smith was, I mean, he, he is a, a contender in that light heavyweight division. 
And Span understands now. He, he knows he's felt the difference between a contender and trying to get into the top 25. And hopefully he can take this as a learning point and continue the trajectory he had and get back there. But, I mean, Anthony Smith is a tough guy. Fifty. This was his 52nd fight, and he, he's still pretty young considering that many fights. So, like, he's tough. We said it would be a big notch in Ryan Spann's belt if he got it done. He didn't get it done. Joe, what do you think of it? I just don't like Anthony Smith uh, is ultimately what it comes down to. He's won three in a row, and he, and he does win a lot. Um, this guy's won a lot more than he's lost in his career. I talked about it last week. He, you know, got off to a, kind of a bad start to his career. Um, and he's been playing catch-up ever since. And really, all he's done lately is win. And as you said, Jared, he does it in different ways. I mean, he'll knock you out or he'll choke you out. Uh, and, and Jace, I would think that you among all people would love that more than anybody. This guy's kind of, you know, your, your ultimate stand up on the ground threat, no matter where he is, Anthony Smith can beat you. I saw Ryan spawn as somebody who I thought, uh, was definitely making some moves. Anthony Smith does very much come across as a gatekeeper, um, Unfortunately for Spawn this time, uh, Smith kicked the gate closed. Almost, It's almost like Spawn was trying to break in to Anthony Smith's gate. And Smith did just enough to hold him off till the cops got there. You know what I mean? When you get stuck with your sibling at the door and you're both pushing on that. And one of you jams your foot at the bottom of the door so you can't. And it's just kind of a... um. Yeah, no, but I agree. This is kind of, but we can't, but I don't know if I can call Anthony Smith a gatekeeper yet. I well, keep no, no. I mean, he's for him to be the gatekeeper and keep waiting. Very much back in, in very much it. back in the contention now. This you know, is a I contender. mentioned earlier, this is a really good division. Yeah. I mean, I think a loss would have confirmed it for like, nah, he's out because they're trying to get some new blood in this division. And again, I thought Spawn had a, from the highlights, I thought this guy, I thought he was there. He's not, as Jay said. He's definitely not there yet. But um, we'll see. Anthony Smith, maybe ride this out a little bit longer to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, is Anthony, in your opinion, how far out is Anthony Smith from getting that matchup with Blackwoods? Fight or two. Yeah, I, I really, depending on probably – not next fight, but two for sure. Again, kind of depends how everyone else shakes out. But, yeah, I mean, this win, I think, definitely puts him in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it, it is weird, though. I mean, with two, he's got two, three fights before the title. I'm not confident he can get through that, though, because he is. Oh. Like, that. he's that good. He's really, really good. But he does – there are just times he just doesn't get it done. Rocket, Rocket, Prohashka, Teixeira, Blockwood. So I think he should fight Teixeira <laughs> because those other three guys will smoke Anthony Smith. He's fourth right now. A title shot, yeah, they, I mean, jeez. 
Uh, that, that's the only one he can beat on that list. Behind him is Santos he Reyes. He, was, uh, he lost yeah. to Teixeira. was the one that knocked his teeth out of his mouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, take that rematch and go away. <laughs> I mean, I, regardless, he is really good. I think both these guys are really good. Uh, Smith, I mean, he's still a predominant figure in that division, whether it does get to the next the next title shot or not. And Span, I I I think this is a good loss for him. And I think he needs he's still young. Take this loss, learn from it, and I think he can get back into contention in this light heavyweight division. But that's before we move on. Okay. I don't know if you if you were planning on talking about the breaking news from last evening because we're talking about light heavyweights. And I know he was the king of the division. Now he's a 255-pound domestic yeah. abuser. But John Bones Jones uh, was arrested in Las Vegas. And Dana's comment was something like, we just can't bring John to Vegas. Every time we do, it's trouble. Um, he's got demons, man. He's got demons or something was the quote. Dude, John Jones is... One of the greatest talents ever to participate in this sport. And he's a classic example of like the out of control athlete where just nobody's ever going to tell this guy what to do. You know, he could have fought Stipe in the interim year. The opportunity was presented to him. John waited a lot and decided Stipe doesn't have a belt right now. As great as Stipe is, he liked the matchup. Not worth his while. You know, I'm not, I mean, I think John forgets that when you when you don't fight, you're you're more vulnerable. Your chances of losing are greater. And when all you do is screw up out of the cage, you you make it more difficult to get yourself back into the cage. Mm. Yeah. And for a guy who talks as much about his legacy as he does, everything he does outside of the octagon is detrimental to his his life, his freedom, his future, and his legacy. And I don't understand it. I'm still a huge John Jones fan. I saw that. And, I mean, again, it was just a punch in the face. And, and uh I was kind of surprised to hear Dana speak on it so quickly. I thought that was a little, um, I didn't like that too much, especially the, he's got demons. Well, we all know John's got demons. Yeah. Who's in charge of like watching John Jones when he's in Vegas. That needs to be somebody's job from now on, or just have him fight in Jacksonville. Need a bodyguard. Albuquerque or wherever. Yeah. I mean, what, a, what an absolute shame, dude. Um, and and I don't think I can come up with a, I mean, Billy Collins. If I'm trying to come up with a more shameful story, you know, Rusto and Collins comes to mind. But the thing about John Jones for me is give me the guy pound for pound. If everybody, let's assume everybody in the world lives up to their full potential. Pound for pound, who, who are you putting ahead of John Jones? Nobody, 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 nobody. Nope. Anderson Silva, maybe 
if we back up a few years. But right now, if this guy's meeting his potential and hitting his full trajectory, who's beating him? Who's beating this guy at full speed? And this is what we get? 255? What did you say? Cocaine or bar fight? What happened? Like, come on, man. Come on. This is one of the most tragic tales as far as athletic ability to decline that I can ever remember in the game. I never remember somebody being so talented and and sitting there at the toilet and waiting for the water to refill so they can throw some more of their life in and flush it again. I've never, ever yeah. seen it to this degree. Yeah, and I, I – this is why – he will be the greatest fighter of all time, but not the greatest mixed martial artist. He can get in there, he can scrap with anyone, and he can do his thing against anyone. But that doesn't make you a mixed martial – it doesn't make you a martial artist. The stuff outside of the ring, this stuff is why well, he's a fighter. He's got those demons. He's got all this stuff. He isn't fighting for the, the sanctity of the game and the, the sport. He's fighting because he's got all this stuff outside he's got to deal with, and he's got to pay for that. <laughs> so the, the, him, Conor McGregor, they are great fighters. They're not mixed martial artists. Adrian Khabib Broner. is a, mar- a mixed martial artist. Did They're you guys fighting see to the pay Adrian their legal Broner fees. Video? I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys see the Adrian Broner video? No. He tried to go through it with oh, I'll send it to you. He's in court. He tried to go through it without a lawyer. She's like, you didn't. You, you were supposed to answer the question. He's like, yeah, well, I was trying to explain where he's getting his money from. Doesn't really have the answers, but has decided he's going to go about it himself and she's going to let him out because he has a fight coming up and she's just like, you, this isn't part of it. You have to take responsibility for what you did. And at one point he goes, did you, uh, so, so, Yana, Yana, uh, you wanted different answers to the questions? <laughs> oh, my God. It's the most hilarious thing. Yeah, so, Bro. Adrian Broner. Uh, per- professional athletes in court. I would watch that channel 24 <laughs> seven, <laughs> especially represent themselves. I mean, yeah. No, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't Please. Pay a lawyer. Celebrity self-representation. <laughs> Your boys would, with Floyd Mayweather. But yeah, that'd be my favorite TV show. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, that's wild. Uh, hopefully John Jones can get it all figured out and, make his debut a heavyweight because regardless it, when any when whatever it does happens happens uh, i still want to see him in the octagon because he's a great fighter not a great mixed martial art, artist but you well, want not a great human being oh yeah that's why no. he's a fighter not a not a on, man. mixed martial not artist. A lover yeah but uh all right <laughs> we will get to the big fights this weekend but first Here's a little word from Mosquito Shield. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product, one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. 
This province has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. Saturday night in London, England, the WBO and IBO heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua faces former undisputed cruiserweight champion and the WBO's heavyweight mandatory challenger, Alexander Usek, in the perfect storm. Let's break it down. Alexander Usek is 34 years old. He's six foot three with a 78-inch reach and a record of 18-0 with 13 knockouts. From Simferopol, Crimea, Ukraine, a natural athlete, he was a member of the Ukrainian Olympic Football Reserve before taking up boxing at 15. In a highly decorated amateur career, Usek went on to win gold medals in the European and World Championships, as well as the gold medal in the 2012 London Olympics. After amassing an amateur record of 335 and 15, he turned pro at the age of 26 in 2013, with a fifth-round knockout of Felipe Romero. He won his first nine-by knockout before defeating champion Kristov Glowacki by unanimous decision to win the WBO cruiserweight title. He defended it twice, a ninth-round knockout over Tabiso Unchuno and a decision over Michael Hunter before entering the World Boxing Super Series, where he defeated Marco Hawk by 10th-round TKO in the quarterfinal. Four months later, he defeated Latvia's Myris Briatis for the WBC belt and on July 21st, 2018, defeated WBA and IBF champion Morat Gassev in the series finale to become the first undisputed cruiserweight champion since Evander Holyfield and only the fourth boxer in history to hold all four major belts. Immediately after winning the tournament, he called out former WBC cruiserweight champion Tony Bellew who duly accepted in November of 2018. The two clashed in Manchester Arena with Usek knocking out Bellew in the eighth round with a precise and devastating one-two. After the fight, he relinquished his cruiserweight titles, declaring his intention to campaign at heavyweight. Following a series of injuries sustained by himself and his prospective opponents, which delayed his debut by almost a year, he took on Chaz Witherspoon, and despite being outweighed by nearly 30 pounds, he dominated from the start, toying with his larger opponent until Witherspoon retired in the corner after seven rounds. On October 31st, 2020, he took on former title challenger Derek Chisora, struggling with the Englishman's size and aggression before gradually taking over the fight with his precision and stamina and winning by a close unanimous decision. One of the most well-rounded and clinical tacticians in the game, Usyk possesses an excellent combination of footwork, stamina and ring IQ, dominating his opponents with speed and angles and using his jab to dictate the distance and pace of the fight. Anthony Joshua is 31 years old. He's six foot six with an 82 inch reach and a record of 24 and one with 22 knockouts. From Watford, England, Joshua excelled at sports from an early age, but didn't take up boxing until he turned 18, winning the ABA championships in only his 18th amateur fight and turning down a $50,000 offer to turn pro, stating he didn't take up boxing for the money. He wants to win medals. After winning a silver medal in the World Championships, he went on to win gold at the 2012 London Olympics and turned pro in 2013 with a first-round knockout after compiling an amateur record of 40-3. and three. He won his first 14 fights by stoppage before knocking out longtime rival Dillian White with an uppercut to lay claim to the British heavyweight title 
and in his next fight, knocked out Charles Martin with a straight right to win the IBF world title. He defended it twice with knockouts over Dominique Brazil and Eric Molina before taking on the legendary former heavyweight kingpin Vladimir Klitschko. In one of the history's greatest heavyweight battles and classic passing of the torch moments, Joshua survived the first knockdown of his career and had a rally back to stop his former mentor at the end of the 11th round to win the vacant WBA and IBO titles. Six months later, he stopped Carlos Takam and on March 31st, 2018, defeated Joseph Parker by unanimous decision to claim the WBO belt. He defended his titles with a seventh-round TKO of Alexander Povetkin and nine months later took on last-minute replacement Andy Ruiz in Madison Square Garden. What was supposed to be Joshua's coming-out party in the United States ended up becoming one of the greatest upsets in boxing history when after scoring a knockdown in the third round, he was dropped twice himself, surviving the onslaught only to go down twice more in the seventh before the referee called a halt to the action. Six months later, the two met again in Saudi Arabia with Joshua fighting in a much more controlled and cautious manner and winning back his belts with a wide unanimous decision. On December 12, 2020, he defended his unified titles with a dominant victory over Kubrat Pulev, dropping him twice in the third before knocking him out with a right cross in the ninth round. An expert tactician, Joshua uses a solid jab and good footwork to set up his power shots and has an excellent mastery of boxing fundamentals. Though he can be overly cautious at times, Joshua also has a killer instinct, pouncing on his opponents when they're hurt and finishing them off with an array of hooks and uppercuts. In a showdown between two of the most technically sound boxers in the division, will it come down to the stamina and fluidity of Usyk or the size and power of Joshua? Tune in Saturday night to the perfect storm, Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk, and let's find out. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun fight. I, 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 I know a lot of people love Anthony Joshua, and I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't know who Alexander Usyk is. But when you're in the same conversation as Evander Holyfield being – only undisputed cruiserweight champion. That's got to, you got to take that into consideration. He's a beast. It'll be a fun fight. Now, my, the only question I have is what Anthony Joshua are we going to see? Ruiz one or Ruiz two? Is he going to come out calculated and try and, have a technical fight with Usyk because that would be phenomenal. Both these guys, beasts. If he can do that, I, I think he gets the nod. But if he comes in and looks for a brawl, I, I, Usyk's good enough to put Joshua's lights out. I, I'm gonna go Joshua to get it done. But I, I do think it's gonna be a fun fight regardless. But it's a lot closer. It's gonna be a lot closer of a fight than people think. Joe, how do you see it playing out? Well, I see it being a lot closer than people think. I do think Alexander Usek will win the fight. Um, yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, I think there's going to be a stoppage around, let's say, eight, eight or nine. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what I think will happen because, listen, 
Usek has been looking forward to this fight. He was willing to step aside for Joshua to fight Fury just for the unification. I mean, and this guy's very strategic. All these, all these uh, Russian guys, I'm telling you, they're on another level when it comes to this kind of sport. They really are just understanding uh, what's going on and, and, and to be willing to step aside. Now, obviously, they made uh, Fury and Wilder fight, so this seemed like Usyk was going to settle for Joshua. I think Usyk is going to take this guy apart. I hope We've he seen... doesn't fight like a Russian. He's he's Ukrainian. He's Ukrainian. Same difference. <laughs> yeah, you no, know what so... I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just all look like... alike. Come on, Joe. They look alike. They sound alike. <laughs> they kind. They they're maulers, and they they. Anybody from the They're like the Soviet old Cuban Union. boxers. <laughs> yeah. Anybody from the former Soviet Union, if you're in one of those republics, okay. Dagestan or Uzbekistan or Ukraine or where, any of those places, I'm afraid of you. I'm instantly afraid of you. Yeah. Um, I think Joshua, uh, a- after initially, Jason, I think you're going to get what you want. I think the beginning of this fight is going to be an amazing technical two guys going at it. I think Joshua... And and I and I hate to say this because I love Anthony Joshua. I think when it comes to these two guys, if you said which one of these guys might break break rank and and kind of get get more into a brawl and away from the technical thing, it'll be Anthony Joshua ten out of ten times. Alexander Usek won't do that, so I don't think he has to fear getting knocked out. I mean, it it, it would take a lot for Joshua to finish Alexander Usek. I think. Usek will get to finish uh, Joshua because I think Joshua will do something stupid. Wow. I think he'll get frustrated. Yeah, I really I, do. I, yeah. I hate to say it, but that's kind of how I'm I seeing see this. that happen. Happening. Jared? Um, you guys know I'm big on amateur careers. 350 amateur fights. For cover your mouth, Usyk, um, and I. This is one of the guys that I, I have just said, got that. Hey, you're welcome. Um, this is one of the guys from the very beginning, uh, Victor Ortiz, uh, Usyk, and Paterbiev. I've been wanting the Paterbiev Canelo fight, but. Months ago, you asked, what are the fights that could put boxing on the map? And I said, I think you need an Ortiz Jr. to beat a Bud Crawford. You need a Paterbiev to beat uh, Canelo Alvarez. Or you need a Usyk to beat an Anthony Joshua. Joe, I agree with you. I don't think Joshua has name the opponent. Anthony Joshua faced with the chin um lateral movement stamina iq footwork you said a lot of this in the uh in the tale of the tape speed i don't think he wins any of those arguments if i'm if i'm given one or the other what i do think he wins is maybe jab size probably power and all of that being said what jace said he needs to win a boxing match here I don't know if he can. And Jace also said he can't win a slugfest. So I'm looking at the ways for Anthony Joshua to win, and I don't I don't see a lot of them besides get on top of him and maul him. Yusik has never been down. 
350 amateur fights. That's 368 times he got into the ring with another human being, another dude his size, and has never touched the ground. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. So and 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 if so, if you can't outbox that guy, what are you gonna do? You have to do what the only guy he struggled with so far, Chisora. You got it. You have to do what Derek Chisora did. Get on top of him. Be the bear. Try to maul this guy. And that's not how Joshua fights. He's gonna get picked apart until he loses his nerve, and then he's gonna get knocked out. Joe said eight or nine. I say seven. Be careful with the over-under here, folks. Alexander, cover your mouth, you sick, by knockout. <laughs> I love it. Well, I do want to point out, I if it does turn into a brawl, Joshua can win. Joshua can knock out Usyk. I just think Usyk What's your evidence? <laughs> Show me the clip where he got rocked or touched the ground. If it turns into a brawl, anything can happen. I know well, anything can happen, but you have no Look, evidence Josh. this guy can get rocked. I got some evidence of Anthony Joshua. I think it's yeah. in our I think it's in our um intros. It's one <laughs> of our intros right now. has a has a clip yeah. of Anthony Joshua looking like he's on strawberry legs. Usek isn't gonna let this get into a brawl. There would be no need to. No. There, there will be no need to. And and exactly I'll tell you what, like you if, if ten out of ten times. If Anthony Joshua comes at him because he's hurt and dazed and and wants to just start throwing, Usyk's a really smart fighter, and yeah. uh, that to me would be even worse for Joshua. You know and what he, I mean? I think Joshua walks into something or gets caught with something. This is a tough fight for Anthony Joshua. And again, you said it right off the jump, Jace, because most people don't know Alexander Usyk. It's easy to just assume he's going to waste this guy. This is going to be a much better fight than people think, uh, and it is going to end in a stoppage. And here, and here's what Joshua does wrong. If I can take it even a step further, and make a make a bolder prediction here, Anthony Joshua lands punches and gets proud of himself. He gets uh, rewatch that Ruiz fight because Ruiz got hit hard. Right before every time he rock, knock, uh, rocked uh, Joshua. So I think this will be about Usyk setting up Joshua with that doom doom, and he gets a little happy and a little proud of himself and gets in there and gets clipped. And that's all she wrote. Usyk can finish. Can Joshua win? Yes. Is it a coin toss? Yeah, Josh, Joshua's favored. He opened three to one, though, and now he's down to like plus 180. So the uh, the people that waited for the weigh-in to place their bets are putting their money on Usyk, the majority of them. I, I will say, though, Usyk, if Usyk wins this fight, it needs to be by stoppage. Because I don't see the judges. I think it, if it goes the distance, it's going to be close, and I see the judges giving the nod to Joshua just because of how corrupt boxing is when it comes to that stuff. So I don't see Usyk winning the decision. So the 29-28. Yep. <laughs> yeah, all right. But now switching over from the boxing ring to the octagon, we have a great, great pay-per-view. Two title fights. Let's start off with the co-main event. 
Coming up Saturday night at UFC 266, flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko defends her title against Lauren Murphy in Las Vegas. Let's break it down. Lauren Murphy is 38 years old. She's five foot seven with a 67-inch reach and a record of 15 and four with eight knockouts and one submission. From Anchorage, Alaska, Murphy lost her father in a plane crash when she was 11 years old, causing her to fall into a deep depression, which led her down the path of drugs and alcohol addiction, and she eventually dropped out of high school. While attending nursing school, she began taking her son Max to Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, gradually falling in love with the martial art and deciding to pursue a career in MMA. For going an amateur career, she made her professional debut on June 9, 2010, at the age of 27, with a first-round knockout of Chloia Wayland. She won her first five fights by TKO before making her debut in Invicta Fight Club, scoring a unanimous decision over Caitlin Young. In December of 2013, she won the Invicta Bantamweight title when she defeated Miriam Nakamoto after a knee injury rendered her unable to continue. Following the bout, she signed with the UFC, losing her debut to Sarah McCann, then 10 months later dropped another decision to Liz Carmucci before winning her first performance of the night with a third-round TKO of Kelly Fashholes. After a unanimous decision lost to Caitlin Chikagian, she appeared on the Ultimate Fighter 26 as part of the process to crown the UFC's first female flyweight champion, losing via decision to Nico Montano. Following a decision loss to Sahara Eubank, she bounced back with a brutal TKO of Maria Barella and a controversial split decision over Andrea KGB Lee. In June of 2020, she defeated UFC veteran Roxanne Matafiri and four months later submitted Lalela Shakarova via rear naked choke. On June 12, 2021, she engaged in a thrilling back-and-forth battle with Joanne Calderwood just edging her out with her wrestling skills to earn a split decision. A durable and highly aggressive pressure fighter, Murphy possesses excellent grappling skills and power in both hands. Valentina Bullet Shevchenko is 33 years old. She's 5'5 with a 66.5-inch reach and a record of 21-3 with seven knockouts and seven submissions. Born in Kyrgyzstan, her mother, Elena, was a Muay Thai champion and got her into martial arts at the age of five. And at the age of 12, she began her kickboxing career. She amassed a record of 57 and two, winning eight gold medals in international competition and becoming recognized as one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters of all time before switching to MMA. After winning her first seven fights by stoppage, she lost to Liz Carmucci by a controversial doctor stoppage after she sustained a nasty cut from an illegal kick. After racking up five more wins, she dropped a decision to all-time great Amanda Nunez. She bounced back with a dominant win over Holly Holm in a performance of the night submission of Juliana Pena to set up a rematch with Nunez for the bantamweight title. In an exciting and highly tactical fight, Shevchenko dominated the action but came up short, losing a hard-fought split decision. Following the loss, she moved down to flyweight, submitting Priscilla Cachuera by rear naked choke and then dominated former kickboxing rival Joanna Janjacek in impressive fashion to claim the vacant title. In her first defense, she knocked out Jessica I with a highlight reel head kick and then got a revenge on Liz Carmucci, winning a dominant one-sided decision. Next up was Caitlin Chikagian, and after controlling the fight with punches, grappling, and an impressive spinning wheel kick, she caught Chikagian in a crucifix and landed a barrage of punches to stop the fight. 
After scoring a unanimous decision over Jennifer Maya, she made her fifth defense against Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist Jessica Andrade, beating her at her own game as she scored numerous takedowns while dominating the fight before catching her in a crucifix and stopping her with a hail of elbows. Perhaps the most well-rounded fighter in all of MMA, Shevchenko is an excellent counter-striker with an exceptionally high ring IQ and the ability to gauge distance with a leg kick before and after landing a flurry. On defense, she typically counters with a spinning back fist or wheel kick and possesses elite-level grappling, boasting some excellent submissions. Can Murphy use her natural strength and aggressive style to pull off a massive upset? Or will Valentina's ring IQ and overall skill make it an easy night's work as she tries to make her sixth defense and eyes a potential trilogy fight with the great Amanda Nunes? Tune in to UFC 266, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy, and let's find out. Uh, I, I think we're all going to be on the same page here. Um, Joe. Oh, I've got something for you here, though. Win. Not can she win. How would Lauren Murphy go about beating the bullet here? I I don't know because I don't know that there's a, a formula for it. And if there were, I don't know that it would apply to Lauren Murphy's skill set. Illegal uh, kick. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, she's she's won her last five fights. Three of them are dis are by decision, two by controversial split decision over Calderwood and Lee. She's never beaten anybody who's currently ranked in the top five. I don't even know why she's get I, I don't even know how she's earned the right to be in the ring with somebody at the level of Shevchenko. I, I really don't get it at all. Um, I guess if you're Lauren Murphy, I don't know, maybe when you get taken down, maybe you could somehow, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I watched all these fights and I walked away thinking, I don't know how Shevchenko isn't going to crucifix and just pound this. Mo <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how Lauren Murphy is going to stop all of the different skill sets that Valentina Shevchenko has and all of the things that she brings to the table. The one thing I'll say about Lauren Murphy, she's a tough SOB. For but sure. this is not the person I'd want to be in the ring with if I was Lauren Murphy. Um man, this is not going to this isn't going to end well for Murphy. I don't I don't really don't see a way. I mean, maybe Maybe somebody throws a banana peel into the ring. Shevchenko <laughs> slips, gets knocked out. I don't know. Crazier things have happened. She slips on some Vaseline on the way in the corner, does a million-dollar baby on the stool. Yeah. What? I don't know. I don't it know. Could be something but I like do that. have something for you. I've got something for you. Okay. Two to one odds. Okay, I'm going to double your money on this one, and it's not the puncher's chance. Uh, there was an kickboxing bout that Shevchenko lost by decision in 2015. There was also an exhibition bout that Murphy lost to Nico Montoya. If you count those between them, they lost nine times. Neither has ever been stopped. Um, you go back to that 2010 illegal kick to find a stoppage. Okay which coincidentally five days from now will have been 11 years ago 
since either one of these girls was has been stopped. Furthermore, might just be coincidence, but since the first loss to Nunez, home decision, Pena stoppage, Nunez decision, stoppage, decision, stoppage, decision, stoppage, decision, stoppage, Lauren Murphy by decision. So goes the distance, gives you two to one odds. You play Shevchenko wins by decision. It's up to 280. And uh, I think that without without Murphy having been stopped, neither girl's been stopped. And that, uh, that pattern of the last uh, 11 fights going back and forth from stoppage to decision were on pace for a decision. Uh, looks like a pattern. Shevchenko a, by, by decision. Yeah, that is a weird pattern that is developed. Part of that came with, uh, I, I know specifically in the Jennifer Maya fight, uh, she knew Jennifer Maya posed zero threat. And after the fight, was was talking about just trying to get some rounds in. So kind of carried Maya. Not, I'm not even joking. No, I, and like I said, though. listen, Murphy's tough. There's, I mean, right, Jared? There's no reason to think that Murphy can't take a beating for three rounds. Oh, yeah. As, as long as she can stay out of the crucifix, you could take a beating for, for three full rounds. I this, think you know, Yeah, yeah. And I could easily see this turning into the kind of fight where you put the responsibility on the corner man, where she hasn't done, she's doing enough for the ref not to stop it, but not enough to win the fight. And somebody's got to get her out of there. And I saw a boxing match just like that. And the announcer said, like, I would have told this guy at the end of the sixth round, hey, you lost every round. I'm going to stop this because you can't win. And if you can, you might as well do it now. So you have one more round. Go in there and knock the guy out. See if you can get something from him. Because to just lose 100 to 90, 100 to 90, 29, 28, that it – you just you lost every gas, and I think that it could easily turn into this fine kind of fight where Murphy is not taking enough damage to stop it, but at the same time she's not winning any exchanges, and somebody should take the responsibility besides Lauren Murphy to save her from herself, like you were saying about John Jones. Yeah. By the way, November November twenty fourth, November twenty fourth, uh, Halle Berry's directorial debut. She stars in the film Bruise. They just released it at the Toronto Film Festival. Looks pretty good. The uh, main protagonist in this uh, in this MMA-inspired movie starring as Lady Killer, none other than Valentina Shevchenko uh, in a like co-starring role to Halle Berry. That's awesome. Sign me up. I'm with I'll watch that thing. But I, hold on, I get what you're saying, Jared, about Laura Murphy's really tough, and she has this streak of not being finished. But Valentina is a pound for pound great. Lauren Murphy is uh, journey woman, gatekeeper, if you want to call her that. I guess like it. it I, I I don't see any. Any alternate universe where Valentina does not dominate and get this done, I, I first round we'll, we'll go crucifix. You're taking the stoppage. Yes, 
Because okay. if Valentina Shevchenko can go, hey, I want to get rounds in with Jennifer Maya, you don't think she can go, oh, Lauren Murphy hasn't been stopped in how long? Let me, let me break that Ever. streak. Ever. Okay. And never is never, never forever, my friend. No, no. Well, and hey, I have two of these coming up. If I come back, I'll, you guys can make me a big plate of crow, and I'll sit down here with some salt and pepper, and there's a good chance Anthony Joshua could get it done, and Lauren Murphy could get stopped, but those would both be things that have never happened before. Usyk hasn't been beaten as a professional, never been rocked, never been outboxed. Murphy's never been stopped. And I think that's the bet with two to one odds. It sucks that you can't uh, round Robin it with a bunch of other of those upsets that I like, but I'll take two to one goes to decision. Right. Take that. Never ain't never forever. Just remember that. But uh, I that's only the co-main event. And, and we'll talk about this whole card is stacked. We'll get to the fight of the night and other great fights later. But now let's talk about the main event. The one everyone's tuning in to see, the featherweight bout for the UFC featherweight championship. Volkanovski versus Ortega. And Joe's going to break it down for us. Saturday night at UFC 266, featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovski puts his title on the line against top contender Brian Ortega in the main event. Let's break it down. Brian Ortega is 30 years old. He's five foot nine with a 69 inch reach and a record of 15, one and one with three knockouts and seven submissions from Los Angeles, California. Ortega began training in Muay Thai at the age of five and at 13 took up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, eventually earning his black belt under Rainier Gracie. After training and boxing to sharpen his striking skills, he made his MMA debut in April of 2010 scoring a first-round triangle choke submission over John Sasson. He won his first eight fights with four submissions before winning his UFC debut with a first-round submission over Mike De La Torre. However, the fight was later ruled in no contest after Ortega tested positive for steroids and was given a nine-month suspension. He returned to June of 2015, scoring a third-round knockout over Thiago Tavares and followed that up seven months later with a triangle choke over Diego Brandao. Next up, he faced UFC mainstay Clay Guida, engaging in a brutal back-and-forth brawl until he rallied back at the end of the fight with a flying knee knockout. He continued his meteoric rise with back-to-back -back guillotine chokes of Renata Moicano and Cub Swanson, and in March of 2018 became the first man to stop Frankie Edgar when he knocked him out with an uppercut followed by ground and pound. His hot streak came to a grinding halt in December of 2018, when despite putting up a valiant effort, he was gradually outboxed and outclassed by then featherweight champion Max Holloway, suffering his first loss when the doctor waved it off at the end of the fourth round. On October 18th, 2020, after a nearly two-year layoff, he returned against Chen Sung Jung, dropping the Korean zombie multiple times en route to a dominant and one-sided unanimous decision. A first-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Ortega has some of the most impressive grappling skills in the sport, as well as a solid jab and excellent counter-striking ability. Alexander Volkanovsky is 32 years old. He's 5'6", with a 71-inch reach and a record of 22-1, and 
with 11 knockouts and three submissions. From New South Wales, Australia, Volkanovski took up Greco-Roman wrestling at a young age, going on to win a national title at the age of 12, though he gave up to sport in his teens to pursue a career in rugby. After a successful run in the semi-pro leagues, where he weighed upwards of 214 pounds, he decided at the age of 23 to take up MMA, going 4-0 as a middleweight amateur before turning pro in May of 2012 with a unanimous decision over Gerhard Voigt. He won his next two in the welterweight division before getting stopped by a head kick and ground a pound in his fourth fight. He won his next 10 with nine stoppages before making his UFC debut in 2016 with a second-round knockout of Yusuke Kasura. Seven months later, he dropped down to the featherweight division, defeating Mizuto Hirota, and followed that up with decisions over Shane Young and Darren Elkins, as well as a brutal TKO over Jeremy Kennedy. On December 29, 2018, he took part in an exciting, wild brawl with Chad Mendez, getting taken down multiple times before catching Mendez with a left to the body and a right to the head to score a second-round knockout and continued his rise with an impressively dominant victory over former champion Jose Aldo. In December of 2019, he took on Max Holloway for the featherweight title, dethroning the champion with a highly tactical game plan that consisted of relentlessly attacking Holloway's lead leg to limit his offense while landing counter-strikes in the pocket. Seven months later, he made his first title defense with a controversial split-decision victory in the rematch. A very technical, high-volume pressure fighter, Volkanovski possesses an impressive fight IQ, showing the ability to adapt his game plan and grind down his opponents with his stamina and explosiveness. Will T-City's counter-striking and jiu-jitsu pose problems to Volkanovski, or will Alexander the Great be able to overwhelm and outthink Ortega as he eyes a potential trilogy fight with Holloway? Tune into UFC 266, Volkanovski versus Ortega, and let's find out. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm excited for this fight. It's going to be one, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. It's going to cap off this Saturday of fights perfectly. I think this is going to be a brawl, it's going to be an intense, wild fight. And Ortega's going to come out and new champion. Joe, how you have it playing now? Um, I also have Ortega coming out, but uh, in a stretcher in, in uh, my version. <laughs> <of things. laughs> um, yes. Like- yeah. Dude, sorry. Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway, I think, have already proven to be head and shoulders above everybody else in the featherweight division. Um. Holloway almost ended Ortega's career, uh, at least put him out for about 20 months. And Volkanovski and Holloway have had like two wars. Ortega, again, he's a good fighter. He's got some skills. I don't think that he, I mean, in, in in the featherweight division, there's two elite guys. And then there's everybody else. And Ortega right now is at the top of the everybody else list. And after tonight, he's going to stumble down the seven or eight or wherever he belongs. But uh, Volkanovsky, to me right now, is is one of the best in the game. Uh, this guy takes care of business against whoever, wherever, and whenever 
and a win over the Korean zombie. Uh, a guy who, by the way, I love Korean zombie, but every single time they put Korean zombie in a position where he wins a fight, he goes on to a fight for a title. He loses. I knew he was going to lose to Ortega. They handed this to Ortega on a platter and, uh, I don't think it's going to end well. Uh, once again, Joe and I agree. Uh, Jason, on the other side of it. I'll take Volkanovsky over Ortega, uh, just a much better impressive fighter. But that said, these guys are both exciting to watch. Not that I wouldn't rather be watching a Phil Davis fight. Uh, <laughs> take uh, Volkanovsky and the under, because if Ortega gets it done, he's going to have to stop him. But in all likelihood, yeah, uh, Volkanovsky by stoppage. But take the under. See, the... <sighs> Both of those fights with Holloway Volkanovski had, uh, watching them, just him coming out victorious leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Because I, 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 what about I, Holloway since? What kind of taste does that leave in your mouth? <laughs> Holloway. No, I mean Holloway's. I think at least the second one just should have won and walked away. It should have been a trilogy fight. That's fine. That's fine. But even if that was the case, then he'd be fighting uh, Holloway tonight, and he would probably get murdered. I think if you're Ortega, you're probably happy it's Volkanovski, but you're probably still going to get your... Yeah, you'll see. No. Ortega is a beast. He's going to come forward. He's going to pressure Volkanovski. I don't think that leg stuff's going to work that it did to Holloway with Ortega. Ortega's tough. And Volkanovski, if he tries to wrestle Ortega, Ortega will grab that neck and twist it in seven different knots, and you'll be out cold. So I, I Ortega's going to win. He's going to pressure fight. He's going to get it done. Whether he knocks him out or he jumps on his neck and takes it, Ortega's going to get it done in round three to become a new Champion. Volkanovsky, if this clown tries to look guillotine, will we'll shake him off in about two <laughs> seconds like a dog after he gets wet in a rainstorm. Are you kidding me? Dude, I'm telling like, you, T-City gonna... does not have any of the skill set to beat Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky is way too oh. good right Ortega's now. Ortega's only had know. one bad fight. I, I don't understand. No, he's had more than one bad fight. You say it's funny. You said uh, I think we should send that to Max Holloway. You said it's not going to work against Ortega like it did against Holloway because Ortega's tough. That the ah, that's the quote. Let's tell Max Holloway. <laughs> no. But I mean, look at the Max Holloway Ortega fight. Like Ortega was still wanted to go. The doctor stop it. And Joe, you said that put him on the shelf. It wasn't that. It was him doing stuff. With Robert Down Jr. bettering the Bro, world, that took do you even out. realize you're talking no, about the same guy you, right now? Can, can you're I talking about you the same guy. Holloway is the same guy. Holloway and Holloway are the same guy in your story. That all oh, the Volkanovski fights were too close with Holloway, and I think the wrong guy got the nod. And Ortega was getting his butt kicked, but not as bad as they thought he was, and it shouldn't have been stopped. But you're talking about a common opponent in Max Holloway that one guy beat and the other one guy stopped by. So just so you know, I watched that fight again this week. I actually watched it twice because it happens to be one of my favorite fights. And my favorite moment in the fight, I forget which announcer it is, but 
Uh, at one point, Holloway has him near the cage, and he throws her right, left, right. Ortega bounces off the cage and moves to his right. Holloway stalks him and then hits him. Bam, 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 bam. And I've, I've sent this clip to my brother uh, anytime I feel like he needs to be cheered up. They go, that's got to be like a, what, 10-punch combination for Holloway? Dude, you're a professional fighter. How do you get hit with 10 punches in a row? And you're not like this up against the, I mean, dude, this guy is not a good fighter. He's a good wrestler. He's good on the ground. His stand-up game is not great. He could take a licking, but that's nothing to be proud of. Well, in Volkanovski, he stopped that one. fight before he died against Holloway. <laughs> Max Holloway was a few punches away from knocking Ortega's head, snapped right off his right off the body, and it would have been rolling around the ring. I've never seen a beatdown so bad in my life in okay. professional fighting as that one. Yeah, and. I think that was another, like I said, with Ryan Spann and Anthony Smith, I think that was a good loss for Ortega because Ortega was unstoppable. He was feeling himself. Now he met. He knows what it's like to be at the top. I don't think Volkanovski has really earned that spot at the top, but I think Ortega will take it. Like I said, I don't think he won. I give him more so the first fight than the second fight, but I didn't have him winning those fights. Ortega's going to get done. Third round submission, and that's all I'm going to say. The only person I like I'm more amongst the little guys than Volkanovski is Max Holloway. So you're still not you're still not selling the argument to me. Yeah, I, I don't have to sell it to you because I'm right. And next week I'm gonna <laughs> be eating my I'm gonna be eating my cake, being all happy. Chase, if Brian Ortega somehow, some way comes out victorious. Shave your head. I'll shave my head. Oh! <laughs> Let's do a hair for hair bet then. Oh, oh no. I'll shave my head. Oh, no. And if either one wins, I'll shave my head. <laughs> Somebody's going to the barber with me, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Volkanovski is is definitely going to win this fight, and I'm definitely going to keep the, the sexy locks. <laughs> Lock it in. All right. Let's go. I love it. All right. Dude, we're only that's only the co-main event. Main event. This card's stacked. There's still a bunch more fun fights. Let's talk about fight of the night. But before we get – I mean, there's one fight of the night. Let's be real. When a Diaz is fighting, it's fight of the night. Nick Diaz making his return to the octagon. And even if, yeah, Diaz fighting is always fight of the night. But then when you put Nick Diaz against the Robbie Lawler, oh boy, oh boy, am I excited. That's going to be a fun fight. Joe, do you have another fight you're interested in, or what do you think? I I don't, but I've got some thoughts on this particular fight. Number one, for all the laughing Dana's been doing about all these Jake Paul fighting old people fights, I think it's great to take two guys who haven't won a fight in like five years each and <laughs> make them a make them a co co main event or whatever. This is not helped by the fact that if you've listened to Nick Diaz talking in the last few days, um, 
He doesn't want to be there. He's not really interested in this fight at all. He doesn't actually like to fight, period. Uh, which going into this is really weird. He said yesterday he thinks he would have a better shot beating, I think he said Israel Adesanya, than he would Robbie Lawler, with the rationale being because I've already beaten Lawler. I don't know what Nick Diaz is smoking. All I do know is, look, I don't care about the any of the pre-fight stuff with Diaz and Lawler because it's idiotic. I do want to see these two monsters in that ring, though, when that bell rings, because I, I agree. Jace, it's going to be electric, and it's going to be awesome. And the first time Nick catches Robbie with that, that, that Compton, the Stockton slap, bro, it's, I'm telling you, the crowd's going to go nuts. I just find this fight kind of amusing, and I, I don't know why they allow Nick Diaz to speak to the media. Nick Diaz hasn't said anything, like, quote-worthy in about 10 years. I mean, Nick Diaz hasn't been anywhere in about 10 years except his house. That said, I do think Robbie Lawler's going to blow him out uh, by round two. I think Lawler just – I think – It'll be too much. Nick's been so out of the game for so long, dude. It'll be tough. I mean, yeah, but Nick, the Diaz is out of the game. They're still running triathlons and decathlons and stuff like this. So that's not getting punched in the face I by Robbie Lawler. But still, I, I don't know, dude. Don't wait. Hold on. Don't you remember? Those don't you remember, are tough. Don't you remember when Connor ran in Portugal? He did, went and did some jogging in Portugal. We thought that was going to be enough to beat Dustin Poirier. So uh, yeah. I want guys, I need my guys in the ring, and I need my guys fighting every five or six months or less, um, or I'm not picking you in a fight. I, 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 I won't pick John Jones when John eventually returns. It would be hard to. I mean, unless he fights Derek uh, Cormier. Gustav. Uh, who, you know what I mean? I would be really hard-pressed to pick John after uh, what's going to end up being an even longer layoff now. Uh, so, but I'm excited for the fight, and, I and and uh, you know, I, I like you, Jace. I love the Diaz brothers. Uh, Nick is the man. He is such a great fighter. Uh, my, my last thought of him uh, on the ground against Anderson Silva, baiting Anderson to come and get him. <laughs> it's, I mean, just, you know... No, nobody, there's nobody quite like the Diaz brothers. I think, you know, you look at this card tonight, you've got Shevchenko and Murphy, and I still think Shevchenko doesn't quite get her due. You've got Volkanovsky, who can't even get the respect of Jace Garcia for crying out loud. I think this is a really nice third piece to this event to really sell this thing to the fans. And I think that the fans that are tuning in to see Lawler and Diaz are going to be pleasantly surprised to see these, uh, to see Volkanovsky and Shevchenko. If they're if they're not already fans of these two, I think they'll definitely change their mind tonight. Yeah, Jared, how you see this going? Or do you got another fight of the night? I got one more fight to add to this that I think could give you a lot more than expected. Uh, the heavyweight showdown. I'm taking Rosenstroke to land something against Curtis Blades and get himself back into the picture. Uh, so I like the upset there. Diaz Lawler, I don't want to pick. 
I don't know. Like Joe said, I want to see him fight. So I'm like, if it's Diaz and Lawler, give me Diaz, especially as the underdog. You know, I'd put really, really light Diaz way. But not having seen him, there's no telling who's going to show up with these guys. You've seen videos of me fight. You know, I've, I've, I've been all the way up to, to 218. I was almost at two, 220 at my biggest. I've been down to 158, 162, right around there. I... You know, how many, what, what, John Jones could be 250 and on Coke or, or 195 brick shithouse. You don't know what you're getting. So these guys all this time later, there is no telling what one of them's going to be, what the other one's going to be. Stay away from this one. And, and tune in for that heavyweight bout until Blades takes him down in the first round and lays on him. And then find something else to do for the next 12 minutes so uh, they can give Blades a decision. But if these guys stand up and start trading shots and try to make an exciting fight out of it, oh, my, it will be. Yeah. This whole card. I mean, I, Blades, Rosenstrike, uh, Andrade versus Antonio. Yep. Starting the, the, the main event. Uh, I mean, the main card, Marais versus Marab Deval. Deval, I, I said it right in my head, and I can't say it. But Talia Marab, Santos, I'm excited about. Talia Santos is uh, she can bang. Yeah, this is a fun, good card. Fun card, I love it. Before Jared, you hit us with that flurry. Give us your puncher's chance. All right, this is a uh, round robin, two out of three. If you hit two of these, you make money. Now I'm going to explain really fast uh, these two fights. Uh, Kassan Besangarov is fighting a Golden Boy promoted undefeated fighter. Now when they opened, Kassan was the favorite. And then all the, let's say, casual bettors dragged it back. So the undefeated fighter was the favorite. And right now, it's minus 115, minus 115. This one is set as a coin toss. I like the young undefeated kid to lose. Take Kassan there. I, second fight. I always look at the fights before I look at the lines. Maxim Prodan's line opened at 650. And I've seen it as low as 350. But this is the biggest line I've ever seen where I picked the underdog with the line sight unseen. I never look at the line before I pick the fight. So I picked Maxim Prodan to win and then looked at the line was plus 650. That's never happened before. This guy has an amazing chance to win. We already covered the cover your mouth Usyk fight. He was almost wear a mask Usyk. But if you round robin twos and threes, uh, $10 costs you 40, which is the number I work with every week. Costs you 40. You hit all three of these, it's an over $500 win. You hit two of them, it's a smaller win. Yeah. All right. Now, let's end the show like we do. Jared, hit us with that flurry. A uh, buddy of mine, real close friend of mine, we'll just call him uh, RM, <laughs> just passed his three-year sober date. And I thought to honor that, I would do uh, recite an old poem I wrote about 10 years ago after detox. Um, when I first went into rehab, I was with a group of people that uh, were kind of inspirational folks. Some of them I've stayed in contact with. Some of them we've lost. 
But the name of the poem is Carpe Diem. <clears throat> we are a suffering population. Sometimes it feels like God misplaces when he handed down graces. We have no fresh solutions, but our problems are ancient. Angers and frustrations passed down generation after generation that have created a foundation for an everlasting relation with Satan. No wedding, but a never ending engagement. And we're facilitating the circulation with all of our hate and we see rage and we praise it. We hear hate and the volume, we raise it instead of changing the station. No patience, but complacence. We become comfortable with defeat like shoes without laces. So the only time we settle is when we're facing court cases. But what about the youth of our nation who will pace in our paces, read from our pages, be caged in our cages and bleed from our lacerations it's time we made sutures and made reparations because it's not just our futures, it's our creation. What ends with incarceration usually begins without hesitation. So before it's too late, I'm gonna take my hate and try to erase it. I'm gonna hold my child and instead of just allowing it to grow up, I'm gonna raise it. Understand that for today I have life in my hand and embrace it. Thank you guys. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you, Jared. That was great, by the way. Yeah, You are, like, it's crazy how talented you are. Because, like, I mean... The, the the throwing jabs intro that's good, but I mean, it's really good. But stuff like that where you can make like a poem and have like an actual meaning in that stuff—that's a lot of talent that very very few people can do. I like that you know how to rhyme it. That one rhymes for you, brother. I hate poems that don't rhyme, Jared. They hey, don't have some that. Some of the genius of that, that good one. rhythm. Some of the genius of that one, if you listen to it back, it's all the same sound. So not yeah. only does it rhyme, it's all one rhyme. It's Alliteration. all the same. Yeah. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Look at that. Look at you. Dude, but this dude's picking fights, right? He's making you money with the puncher's chance. He's rapping for the intro and he's making poems about uh, stuff that resonates with every single one of us. Now, here's the thing, though, Jared. You got to understand, he also said that Brian Ortega was really talented. <laughs> so his judgment of talent, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, how I've been jogging. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait. Two o'clock tomorrow morning after I've the fight. <laughs> I'm going to be tweeting. I'm going to be at everyone. I'm going to be up your ass, Joe, because Brian Ortega is going to win. Ease. Let's go. But uh I, I mean <laughs> I, I don't know how much more I mean Dana White should be me? selling us. <laughs> <laughs> Dana White should it be seems like us. climbing into my asshole is a little bit excessive. <laughs> Gosh, just a fight. Just from the outside looking in. And it's gonna be a W for me, and this hair staying on my head. 
Ooh, I can't wait. Dana White should be should be paying us because we are selling these fights. These fights are great. Next week, Watch Jake it. Paul tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Clovercrest Media for sponsoring the show. Make sure you check out www.clovercrestmedia.com. Check out a bunch of podcasts, not just sports, true crime, real estate, anything you you like. There's a podcast for it there. Make sure you check that out. And thank you to Mosquito Shield for sponsoring today's episode as well. Make sure you sign up at MosquitoShieldCT.com and tell them that the guys at Throwing Jab sent you. For Big Jace, Joe Guayan, Jared Jones, we'll see you next week for more Throwing Jabs. Take care, boys. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape, never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.